Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Tommy, in this podcast, we're going to be looking into the future, but not that far into the future because we are knocking on the door of 2022. That's right. Yes. And in this video, we are going to discuss the cars worth waiting for for 2022. So welcome to TFL Talk, where if you follow our YouTube channels, uh, you know that I'm Roman. And I am Tommy. And we talk and bicker about cars on this podcast and we're father and son and if you like what we do on video hopefully you like what we do here on the podcast because we get to dive deep on the podcast because well we have a lot more time than we do on youtube and by the way guys if you are fans of tfl or if you're not head on over to tfl-studios.com where you can get all of our podcast videos and website news and add them to your phone oh look at that you and blaze are uh uh, my screensaver on my phone, Tommy. Check it out. See? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, you guys can go over there and download it as a little web app and keep up to date. But, Tommy, before we get to the uh, new cool cars that are coming, like the new Integra, the new Z, the new Raptor Bronco. Did you see how I said that? Yep. If we had reverb, it'd be really cool. Okay. Do we so have reverb? We don't have reverb. No, we no reverb. Oh, no reverb. Okay. Never mind. Um, so uh, before we get to that, let's talk about the car market because, you know, one of the things that we really try to do is keep our finger on what's happening in the car world. And this is the weirdest time I have ever lived through. Uh, can I explain that? Yeah, go for it. I have never seen so many unhappy dare I say, miserable car buyers, and yet so many dealers that are making record profits and car companies that are making record profits. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, as far as I could tell, very few people are happy with the current car situation uh, in terms of customers, right? Uh, and yet car companies, car dealers, individuals like, uh, like, like, like let's say RJ from Rivian, who just made a billion dollars by building a hundred Rivians uh, are over the moon. And yet the rest of us are either tapping out of the car market or are struggling with 10 year loans on overpriced, in my opinion, at least vehicles that uh, aren't worth you know, the money that the dealerships and the manufacturers are asking for. It's, it's just the craziest time. And then there's other things like 
Well, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been lucky enough to be invited to go on a lot of Porsche events recently. So thank you, Porsche. Uh, and because of that, I've been kind of poking around on Porsche's website. Not that we're buying Porsches, but I've just been kind of having fun with it. And like on the Porsche website, you can't get any sports car right now, Tommy. You, you can't get a 911. You can't get a Cayman. You can't get a, a Boxster. Uh, these are completely unobtainium. The only cars that are available are Cayennes, Macans, and maybe a Taycan. It's the weirdest time. Yep, and then we're also looking at you know crazy markups in a lot of cases of a few thousand dollars ranging anywhere so true. to ten thousand, even twenty in some cases for like G wagons, hundred thousand dollar markup. So it's, it's or, a very or three hundred thousand markup in the case of some high end Mercedes uh, sports cars. It's a very difficult time to buy anything. So where does this end? How does how does I mean how does this end when you've got a customer base that is either unhappy or. Uh, unsatisfied or or just tapping out of the market and yet you have this kind of you know complete I would say dysfunction in the market the way that it works with with manufacturers and dealers making record profit how, how where does this go well I think that the solution is we have to get caught up with the uh, the, the supply in relation to the demand and then from there, I'm, I'm hoping at some point it's going to go back to the way it was before the chip shortage where there's inventory on lots, there's uh, money on the hood, and there are discounts available. Yeah, let's talk about how we got in this situation. Obviously, you know, we're, we're having a worldwide pandemic, which, you know, doesn't help the situation. But, you know, everybody's pointing their finger at the chip shortage. Uh, and Andre just recently did a story, which got a lot of attention, where GM has parked something like 5,000 Silverados uh, at a former factory where they used to build chips. That's Irony crazy. Of ironies. Why aren't the manufacturers building their own chips? Well, I think it's an incredibly difficult, difficult venture to start your own chip manufacturing. And I think that the manufacturers think, we know we are, we are good at assembling vehicles, but it's not our place to be building the little individual pieces that go into the vehicles. Well, well dare I say it, that maybe they've gotten away from the root of what their business is, and that is actually not assembling vehicles, but building vehicles, right? Actually building all the components to a vehicles, and that includes things like brakes, transmissions, power plants, right? Maybe the supply chain issue that we're seeing is because the manufacturers no longer control their own supply chain because they're not building the components that make up the vehicle. Like you said, maybe the problem is that manufacturers are no longer manufacturing, but assembling. Well, I mean, I, I would argue that perhaps the manufacturers have never been in the, the market of forging their own materials. Oh, I, I think when like Henry Ford started the first Model T, everything in the Model T was Ford, but, including the wheels. But even like carburetors? I mean, yeah, I, I, I think so. I think everything in that car was a Ford, except for the tire, which was like, what, his friend Firestone, right? Sure. The tires were always different. But, but then when cars got more complicated, right, and they, they started getting more equipment in them and more technology, I don't think it's fair to say that every manufacturer has always manufactured every component, even in the 50s and 60s, right? I mean, a lot of vehicles would have radios built by Becker. Um, for example, my Mercedes, 1980s Mercedes had a Becker radio in it, right? Right, but, but there are like accessories, right, uh, which I would consider a radio, that I, or, you know, tires, which I understand, but then there are essential parts of a car, like transmissions, which are also being outsourced, or brakes. Every performance car I see now has Brembo's. Everyone, literally. I'm not saying Brembo's are bad, but I'm saying there's now one company that controls the entire, you know, brake um, supply in the entire world. What happens if, like, Godzilla steps on the Brembo factory? Does that mean all cars now are going to be in trouble because manufacturers can't get Brembo's? 
Um, no, because there's other competitors in that world. No, there but I'm saying if you look at all performance cars, they all have Brembos. And motorcycles, you know, it, it goes far beyond cars. It seems like Brembo has taken over uh, the brake world, at least in the performance world. Sure, if you don't have performance brakes, they're probably still not... But all performance cars seem now to be Brembos. Just just as the same thing is happening with shocks, right? Once upon a time, there were manufacturers who built their own shocks. Now you look at all the performance shocks, and they're all, all either uh, uh, Fox or uh, Bilstein uh, or, you know, uh, Multimatic. But I think what you'll find is that even if you took, like, a Ford-branded shock or a GM-branded shock and you actually, you know, followed the money and figured out where it was manufactured. It wasn't Ford or GM. I mean, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now because I was curious. If we look at, like, transmissions, yeah. ZF is one of the largest sure. suppliers of transmissions. They've been doing transmissions um, for vehicles in the auto industry since 1929. So this has not been a recent thing where manufacturers don't build their own transmissions. It's, uh, it, it's a long... It's a long and enriched um, world of globalization and, and, and part supplying. And actually, in some ways, it's, it's worse with electric cars because with electric cars, and those are coming, guys, whether you like it or not, uh, the batteries are either built by Panasonic or LG, pretty much. That's, that's, that's where most batteries come from. And outside of Tesla, which is actually trying to control their own supply chain, right? Tesla's trying to actually build their own motors. A lot of the... Uh, a lot of the electric motors uh, are not built by the manufacturers. That's not true with Ford. I think Ford builds their Mach-E motors. And I want to see. I want to say Chevy built the. Uh, I could I, be wrong. I think Chevrolet. Yeah, but if you look at like the battery plants, for example, this is a good example. Um, so the chemistry, right? The goop that's within the battery is licensed from LG or Panasonic. So they always say in collaboration with. But the companies have their own battery manufacturing plants. So um, the OEMs actually build their own batteries. But the, the licensing and the chemistry has to come from Panasonic or LG. Yeah, basically they control the supply because they can pull that license and you're Right, you're and then you're you're, stuck. you're you're stuck. You're not building any batteries. I mean, it, you know, if what you're saying is that LG and Panasonic own the recipe uh, and the manufacturers, while they're you know, making their own stew, still have to depend on those two companies for the recipe, then, you know, they're also going to be in trouble if at some point, you know, uh, LG or Panasonic decide that they no longer want to share the recipe. I, 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 I kind of feel like you, you, saw, you could have seen this coming a long way away uh, because of you know, the supply chain and how, how complicated it has become to build a car nowadays where, if, you know, think about it, if, if you don't have a door handle, you can't sell the car or truck. Right. No, I, it's, you're absolutely right. But I also think it's important to realize that this is not like a recent occurrence that the manufacturers have been severely globalized for many, many, many decades. Um, and I think it's unrealistic to expect them to build every component on the vehicle and, um, and still, still make that profitable. Um, and then you've got vehicles like the G-Wagon that aren't even manufactured by Mercedes at all, right? The G-Wagon's manufactured by Magna. Same thing with the, um, the Supra. Yeah. Same kind of deal. So I, I wouldn't expect a manufacturer to be like, all right, we're building everything from the headlight bulbs to the lug nuts to the, to the wheels to the fuel injectors. So, so the G-Wagon's a good example. I think probably a Porsche is a good example as well uh, of these highly desirable cars where... Uh, like a GT3, right? A Porsche GT3. If you can get an allocation for a GT3, and actually Bronco as well, uh, probably maybe the Hummer EV, right? If you can get one of these, you could flip it tomorrow for $50,000 more easily like that, right? Um, so does that mean that the car, based on you know the market 
is underpriced. I mean, are we saying that a Bronco is worth, like, like our first edition Bronco, I was just talking to a local Ford dealer, uh, and he would buy it immediately for 10K over, and that's not our business. We're not in the business of flipping cars, so, you know, obviously we have no interest in that. But I've seen I've seen them online for as much as a hundred thousand. So does that mean that Ford has underpriced the Bronco by forty thousand or thirty thousand? That's a good question. And is Porsche underpriced the GT3? And has you know Mercedes underpriced the G Wagon? Because obviously they're leaving a lot of table, a lot of money on the table if the car is worth let's say fifty to hundred k more um, than the manufacturer is asking for. Hmm. And you know where does that where does that leave us? You know who who barely can afford the current MSRPs. Does that mean that only the rich and super rich will be able to get these cars? Will it be like like Ferrari, where you know you'll you're going to have to know somebody, or you're going to have to you know bribe somebody, or you're going to have to uh, you know be in the know to be able to get some of these cars? I mean that's already happening with a lot of these very expensive vehicles. Is that going to filter its way down to like you know the Camrys of the world? Um, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't either. I'm, but it's, it's, I'm sorry. None, none of it is good, dude. None of it is good. None, none, none of it is good. Uh, so I, I don't know where you know. I don't know where this ends up. Anyway, uh, speaking of like highly desirable cars that, that are coming next year, uh, let's talk about the 2022 cars that we uh, are looking forward to uh, driving. And let's start with uh, the one that came out this week. There's a couple that came out this week, but the one that I'm probably the most excited about is the uh, Bronco Raptor. So uh, Ford published some pictures on their marketing website, Bronco Nation. And by the way, um, you know, we, we like to be very transparent and clear. Make no mistake, Bronco Nation is a Ford marketing exercise. It is not an independent uh, nation of auto enthusiasts. It is something that Ford has created to help market and sell Ford products, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just, but I'm just saying, don't be fooled into thinking it's like you know some some consumer oriented site. Um, and anyway, so obviously they they published the first images. Uh, and uh, I hate to say this, Tommy, but uh, I'm not sure um, I'm not sure it's it's as lustworthy as. Uh, as uh, I was hoping for it to be. The, the fenders are really wide. Uh, the, the thing is super jacked up. Uh, you know, we're guessing at the power plant, so we're looking probably at um, that uh, EcoBoost power plant that's in the Raptor right now. So, you know, 450-ish horsepower from a twin-turbo V6. Um, it may be like, maybe, you know, and, and I hate to say this, but it may be like almost too much. I mean, I'm so happy with the first edition that we have, right? With the regular 2.3.5, uh, 320 horsepower. I think it's just fine. I, I, I don't know if you need to go 450 on a Bronco, but I guess if you want to compete with the Jeep 392. Okay, so why is it on the list if you're not excited about well, it? Well, I'm not, I'm, I'm saying, I think people <laughs> will be excited about it, but I'm saying personally, I'm not sure. Sure. How about you? Are you? What do you think of it? Yeah, it's a factory vehicle in 37s. How can you not be excited about it? I mean, this is a top dog Bronco, which is already off the wall craziness enough yeah. with the 35s. Um, the sixth generation Bronco has been a, a monstrous success from Ford, at least in terms of a buzz standpoint. And when you put the Raptor name on it, I think that people are just gonna go berserk for it. Well, so I guess maybe actually now that you made me think about it, maybe the reason. I'm a little um, less thrilled is the Jeep came with a V8, right? Uh, and there was something about slamming a big old Hemi V8 into a Wrangler, uh, which made it sound cool and just badass. And if all indications are correct, this is not going to have a V8. It's going to have that 
3.5 liter that's in the current Raptor. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm getting too old, but there's just something about a V8 uh, that puts a huge smile on my face. And I know if if I were to not be able to hear it and you know not be able to know what's under the hood performance-wise, you couldn't probably tell the difference. And in some ways, uh, the, the V6 twin turbo might be a better performer, certainly better fuel economy potentially. But uh, yeah, I think if it had a V8, I'd be much more over the moon about it. Would you prefer a crank start on the front of it too? <laughs> maybe a knob, maybe a knob to adjust the fuel mixture in the engine and the timing. Yeah, it's yeah. 2021. I think that the whole V8 craze, Dad, is very is very 1970s way of looking I, at. Okay, let me let me rephrase it. I would be much more excited if it was completely electric. How about that? There you go. That that's a little better. Because I'm excited about. You know, I got to drive the Hummer EV, and I'm super excited about that. Yeah, I don't think that the uh, the V8 is, is going to be a huge problem in this vehicle. Especially, I mean, you live at 5,000 feet above sea level. A twin-turbo EcoBoost F-150 will outperform a 5-liter F-150 all day of the week. The, the, the other thing about the Bronco is I really love the styling of the Bronco. And I think with 35s, it just looks really kind of rough and tough and kind of butch and manly and everything I want in off-roader. But I think with 37s and those, like, like, like those, those side... Uh, fenders are like literally 15 inches long. It just feels like it, 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 it feels like like they went, you know, to the aftermarket and picked the gaudiest, most uh, uh, you know, over the top uh, look Flares. for the yeah that they could. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's it, it's not doesn't look factory. It looks like it doesn't look like you know. It looks like it was like like hey, we need to compete with the Jeep, so let's let's slam this thing together. And let's use the current Bronco, which was never designed to have 37s, but let's make it work because we're the manufacturer. And they made it work. I'm not saying they didn't make it work, but it just looks a little too too kind of Humpty Dumpty-ish. Well, the first thing I'll say is you bet your butt this thing was designed for 37s, especially if they... they no, no, the original Bronco wasn't. The current one? Yeah. No, I think it was. I think from the get-go, Ford knew exactly what their plan was for, for release. I think they knew right off the bat we're going to do the standard one and the Sasquatch. We're going to let those generate buzz, and then we're going to do the... See, I think These I, manufacturers are very they're very careful about their long-term see, planning, see, Dad. See, I don't agree. You know I don't agree with that? Why is that? I think Ford was completely blindsided by the TRX. I, 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 and the, you can the, see that. The I think, TRX they were blindsided with, yeah. but I think they knew that, and they weren't going to make the same mistake on the on the. Bronco. And I think they were blindsided by the 392. So I think that this is a this is a reaction to the 392. I don't think they were blindsided. I think they knew exactly what the 392 was. I think the, the 392 was a reaction to the Bronco, and then... The Bronco Raptor is a reaction to the 392. The issue, though, with saying that is that these companies move so incredibly slowly. I don't think that Ford could have put this together in the time since the 392 is at the market. Also, all these guys in Detroit, like you know, know each other. Let's yeah, exactly. There's <laughs> there's no secrets to be held from any of these manufacturers. They're all having dinner and drinks and they stuff. Are, they all have the same schools. So they they all know exactly what's going on. So to say that they were blindsided, I think, is a little but is that, a little that presumptuous. Doesn't, doesn't mean that the that the higher ups. Are, you know, while the engineers, uh, you don't know think they tell other. their boss, they definitely tell their boss. Uh, I'm, oh, not 100%. I'm not sure the guys, percent. the bosses uh, are having dinners Tommy, together too. I'm not sure that the, that the guys in Paris or wherever the heck Peugeot is headquartered know what's going on, uh, you know, in Moab when the two teams are there, you know, testing their respective vehicles, which is where they're, you so know, probably here's what I think, I think happened. I think that th this wasn't in, in the, the plan all along, the Bronco Raptor. 
Um, I, I really do. Right from the get-go, um, Ford knew that they were going to do a Raptor version. Because they did a Raptor version of the SM50, and look how much it's, it's taken off. Um, I think what happened is they knew they wanted to do a... a, why, a well, why was that rumor about the Warthog out there? Because they wanted... First of you all, I think, the name, I think the name was probably changed. Maybe I, I do think that the name has changed. But I think the product itself was... You think it was a Warthog originally? Yeah, I think maybe, yeah, that probably it was. Or maybe that was the internal code. You know, these all these cars have these funky internal codes, and I think maybe the internal code for the Raptor was the Warthog. Uh, but here's so I think what happened with the fender flares, which do look a little goofy, I agree, is that they knew they wanted to do a wide body version, yeah. But they didn't have the budget to extend the sheet metal, so instead of extending the sheet metal, they extended the plastic arches. Look, look, I know I'm pissing into the wind when I'm you know talking about the fact that uh, maybe they're maybe the you know the, the Bronco Raptor isn't the greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, I get that. I know our audience. Uh, but at the same time, I'm going to be honest here. I, I think the one that we have is perfect. Uh, and for the first, maybe I'm getting old. I don't know. For the, yeah, for but, sure. For, for the first time <laughs> in my life, I kind of feel like uh, like the one we have is just right. Uh, and, uh, you know, for 99% of the people who are going to use that thing on road, you really are compromising yourself by going down. If, if you're going to off-road it, hell yeah, go get yourself the the Raptor, but 99% of people aren't going to, right? They're going to park it at the local uh, Safeway or whatever your grocery store is. And at that point, it's going to be such a compromised vehicle on road that it's just silly. It's like, you know, it'd be like driving a Formula One car around. It, it, yeah, it'd be fast and it'd be quick, but God will be miserable. And get off my lawn. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's true, Tommy. No, it isn't true. It's it not is true at all. Look at all the people that are driving around the Wranglers every day in 37s and 40s. And those are vehicles with solid axles and sketchy lifts. Hey, hey, you know I love the TRX, but you just took it to Moab. How much was it to fill up? How much? Of, how much did it cost to put a half a tank of gas in that thing? Yeah, it was a lot of money. Exactly, like that's what compromised on road. Exactly. But here's the deal: I actually think that Jeep kind of missed the mark on the 392. Really? I do. Oh, now you know you're going after the Jeep. Oh my God! I do. We're I actually get so much hate. No, I do because I mean they put the big V8 in it. But they didn't do any of the extra flair that you need when you put a big V8 in it. They, you know, they didn't give it a crazy paint job or a crazy fender flare or like an insane lift or all of this. You wanted to see like a Hot Wheels I want Yes, I wanted to see something nuts. And the issue is, is that um, it's not a better rock crawler than a Rubicon. It's not really a better desert runner than the Rubicon because it still is a narrow body Wrangler. What Ford has done right with the Raptor and what the Raptor has always been really good Raptor at. Raptor Bronco, let's be clear. No, no, Raptor F-150. Oh, Raptor F-150. Raptor everything okay. is that the Raptor is not a rock crawler. It's not a water forder. It's not a mudder. It's always been a desert runner. It's just it's about going as fast as you can through the sand, rooster tails flying, jumping over dunes, and that's what they did right with the Bronco Raptor, is that this doesn't scream, let's go tootle along some rock, it screams, let's go hit the desert. I don't know, I think, okay, I, I, I respect your opinion, but I think they did the most important thing, which was stuff a big old V8 under the hood of that thing, which is what their customers wanted. Yeah, but the customers want, the issue is... Ford is doing what they want. Or they think that, uh, I don't know, wh whatever corporate wants. Ford is not doing what their customers want. Everybody since the beginning of the last generation, two generations ago, Raptor has always wanted a big old V8. Uh, and then they, they've walked away from it. And they are walking away from it. Right. But, but times are moving on. I mean, we've got corporate fuel economy standards. I don't think we can expect everything to have a V8 for I'm just saying FCA is really good at giving their customers what they want, whether it's a Hellcat, you know, everything, sure. right? But I think that customers want a Bronco Raptor. I really do. Okay. And I like the 392. 
But let's be honest. Everybody says they want the ultimate sleeper, and then you go and have to write that $85,000 check, and you better bet you want your neighbors to know you wrote an $85,000 check. That thing should have side pipes. It should have 37s. It should have a giant supercharger coming out of the hood. Um, it should just be ridiculous, the 392 Wrangler, and it just isn't ridiculous uh, and, enough. And here's a little asterisk. We understand that the Raptor R is coming, which is rumored to have the GT500. There you go. Pretty cool. V- V8. We know that, so don't scream it at the podcast or the video. And we also know that it has not been confirmed that the Raptor Bronco won't have a V8, but we're pretty sure it's yeah, going to have pretty, the current Raptors Although, twin turbo. Although, Ford did come out with a, a desert racer truck. Which the head of V8, buy. yeah. Right, at the Baja truck, right. which but you a, can it's buy. A, it's a pure on desert. It's yeah, a, it's, it's a like caged, a Copal Camaro. It's a caged race yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a pure. If you're going to go race Baja, that's the one to get. All right, so what's the next vehicle on our list? Uh, that let's we go, let's go with the one that I'm pretty excited about, and you, you're not, but of course that is the new Z. Um, I'm, I'm not unexcited about the new Z. Well, I think what happened, look, I, we've owned, you know, I'm a Z guy. I've owned, my dad, your grandpa owns Z. We've owned like three or four of them. Uh, and unfortunately what happened is in the time that you've been around, right, which mm-hmm. is like the last 25 years, uh, the Z has not been the standard for a Nissan. It's been the GTR. And so the 350, let's face it, wasn't all that grand. The 370 wasn't all that grand. Uh, so, you, you know, you weren't around when the original Z came out or when the 300 twin turbo came out, which was a good car. I'm not going to say the 280 was a great car. That was more of a grand tour. So I think that the new Z harkens back uh, to uh, the Z of old. Uh, looks like it's going to have 400 horsepower. The styling is retro and yet modern at the same time. I got to sit in it at the Chicago Auto Show, did a video with it, and I, I thought they did a really good job. You know, proofs in the pudding. Uh, we haven't driven it yet. I would have loved it to be all electric. I think they would have smashed it out of the park if they had made it all electric, but they didn't. Um, but at least there's life in Nissan, and they're finally you know, bringing back a vehicle where uh, there's a huge following, you know, not as huge as a VET, let's say, uh, or a Mustang, but certainly in the uh, in the you know Japanese car community, the, the Z uh, carries uh, a big torch in a lot of people's hearts. Hmm. I, um, I I do think that the the I think that the Z is a, is a really good piece of design. I think that it's um, it's finally you know or the return of a Nikon, but I'm I'm not super sure that they went. Um, I mean, I think that they, 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 they did a really good job of modernizing it with the, the turbocharged engine, and, and I'm really happy it still has a manual transmission, but I do wish that they had kind of maybe pushed the needle with some electrification or something um, to really make it stand out among, among not just Z fans, but like someone who's looking at buying a, a Mustang or a Mustang Mach-E or a performance car like that. Yeah, fair enough, but uh, I'm, I'm super excited. I think... Uh Every time, you know, we do a video on it, I think the people, you guys out there, also appreciate what Nissan is trying to do. Uh, And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to get behind the wheel and actually drive it. I I just worry uh, Nissan uh, has been struggling recently. I'll give you an example. Uh, The electric car, right, the Ari, is it the Aria? Mm -hmm. That came out, what is it now, like three years ago? Uh, And Nissan, just some, I think, you know, word of advice from an automotive journalist, uh, you should hit, hit the market like a year ago. Uh, and it, it, it still is, you know, sitting at auto shows uh, and not a dealer lot. Um, and I think you're missing the boat. The, the, every day that you wait to roll that thing out is a day you're, you're falling farther behind or Nissan is falling farther behind in an electric vehicle game. Hmm. 
So anyway, uh, should we keep going? Yeah, let's keep going. Um, let's talk about the one that's up there that just came out yesterday. Uh, the n- new, if we had reverb, I could make it sound cool, Acura Integra. Right. Yeah. So not you, not. you know your mom had an Integra. I did know that. Huh? Yep. So not a whole ton of detailed information. No, it's a styling thing. On the Integra. But what we do know is that it's heavily related to the Honda Civic Si, which is not uncommon for the Integras of, of the past. Um, now, if you notice, like the current generation or the upcoming Si is not available, I think, in a five-door hatch, if I remember right. So that's where the Integra comes in, where you can, you can of course, get the SI 1.5-liter turbocharged engine and a six-speed manual and front-wheel drive, but you're also going to have some additional practicality that you might not be able to get on the Honda. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I, look, Alex was out there yesterday uh, where it was unveiled, uh, and every time a new car gets unveiled, uh, very rarely are the comments positive. Everybody seems to always like to be very critical about it, and so the, 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 the you say what um, comments have been, uh, you know, a, a lukewarm replacement for the ILX, or, you know. Or it looks like a TLX. Or, 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 yeah, or a phoned-in uh, Honda SI. Uh, um, version of an Acura or an Acura version of a phone, and I, I, I don't, you know, I, I think, um, I think it could be like a baby TLX. Like it's got, I, I think the TLX is one of Acura's best designs right now. It, you know, we had it at the office, and every time I walked by it, I, I did a double take. It was that good looking. It was everything you want a sporty vehicle to be, uh, and this looks like kind of a, a smaller baby version of it. So I'm hoping that uh, you know it, it turns out to be that way once you get behind the wheel. So it's it's uh, only available as a five door hatchback. It should be priced around thirty thousand dollars, which is not too much more than the Acura ILX, um, one point five liter turbocharged engine, six speed manual transmission. Very very cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the the original Integra, in case you're wondering, um, I think it was 1986 through ni- through 2006, it was available, um, and it's always been kind of an affordable budget sports car. But it's usually a two door two door hatchback. Yeah. Although I think in the U.S. you could get it with the four door. So when, when your mom had it, what what Integra brought to the table was an affordable, sporty car with great reliability, and so it was a kind of car. Where if you were, let's say, if you were starting out, which is what your mom and I were doing at that time, right? You, it was. I, I think she paid like fourteen thousand dollars for it, and they threw in. This is hilarious, Tommy. They threw in one of those like like uh, purse phones. Okay. <laughs> to get her to buy the car. Those were the days. Uh, mobile phone. I'm talking about right where they didn't have quite the little small mobile phones, but it was like in a purse in a bag bag phone to buy it. And uh, I think it was fourteen thousand, and it was a car like you could drive to work. It, it was a manual, which is what I love about your mom. She drives a manual. Uh, more than that, but obviously that that was one of the things that always uh, was wonderful. Um, and uh, yeah, you could drive it to work. You could drive it on a, on a road trip. Uh, we ended up selling that to some of our friends, and they just drove it into the ground. Uh, and the thing worked, and it was fun to drive. Not overly powerful, but nevertheless, a hoot uh, and a good, reliable, interestingly styled, um, fun car. And Hopefully, this will have the same traits. One for folks saying that it's not quick enough or it's not fast enough, I would say 
stay tuned because we may see some performance versions like maybe a GSR, which is kind of a throwback to older Integras back in the day. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was like a Type R version or a GSR version or something uh, a little bit more spicy than the current model. So don't, don't discount it just yet for being a non-performer because that may be coming. And while we're on Acura, we're going to drive this car next. Of course, the new SI is coming. I think, uh, I think who's going out there? Is Nathan going to drive that next week? I do believe so. So what about that? The new Civic SI is... Which also comes in a manual. Wahoo. Wahoo, yes, is, um, you know, I think it's it's not a particularly attractive car, to be honest with you. I don't really? think that the redesign has, has done it any favors, but... Oh, I don't. I don't have a lot of really great things to say about the new SI. The interior is beautiful. I think they did a really good job with the interior. The issue, though, is that the the price is increasing on the SI. So you used to be able to get it for like low twenties. Now we're looking at high twenties. And then when you're looking at high twenties, you're you're like borderline Golf GTI territory. Um, you're you know maybe even borderline WRX territory. And I'm not sure that the SI has the performance or the chops to compete with those vehicles. Yeah, usually the car in the middle is the one that people buy, right? So if you have like three different model lines up, it's the one in the middle that becomes the most popular. And you'd think with the SI being in the middle, it would be the most popular. So obviously you've got the Civic Turbo that lives underneath it, and you've got the Type R that lives above it. So it kind of is in the middle. Is it only stick shift as well, again? I don't know, Dad. I have I to think, look it up. I think it's only stick, which, which, is, which is, you know, hooray for Honda, but it, that's a really tough headwind to sell into if you're only doing it as a stick shift. Yeah, it is cool, though, as an enthusiast. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I agree. But uh, once again, only stick shift where something like, I don't know, it's, it's in the single digits now as to how many um, manuals are sold. And with electrification, that's going to get worse. 200 um, horsepower, though. That, that's good. Yeah, yeah. And it's a very good six-speed manual if it's like the old one. The old well, one was excellent. The, the old one had that issue with the rev hang, unfortunately. That's right. That's where, a good where, point. Where basically rev hang is where you shift, let's say, from first to second, uh, and then while you're trying to put it into second, uh, the rev does not, does not decay. It doesn't go down. And right. so it doesn't make for a, a seamless shift. It's kind of weird. It's like, It does have a, a helical limited slip diff, though, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, so, there's, so there's a lot of real performance. And it's I just don't want to make it sound like it's gotten hugely more expensive. I think it has like a $2,000 price increase or something. But um, you're just you're, – you're, in, you're inching up toward like base GTI territory, which – has significantly more power. We're talking, you know, some 40-plus more horsepower out of a 2-liter turbo instead of a 1.5. I think the sweet spot in the Civic lineup has always been the Civic Sport, not necessarily the SI, but Nathan's going to go drive this soon. He'll let us know what it's like. And, I mean, there's a lot of attractive stuff, like it's got Honda Sensing Standard, which is their safety suite. That's always a good thing. The new interior looks really good. We just have to get behind the wheel and see what it's like to drive. All right, let's switch gears. Let's talk about some kind of big old... uh trucky vehicles that are coming in there. We're not talking about trucks, trucks. We'll leave that to Andre over at uh, uh, Talking Trucks. Uh, but there are a couple that, that uh, actually uh, are coming that I think I'm pretty excited about. And what I'm driving next week, and that's, of course, the new Range Rover. Uh, I think I'm driving it, or is it just being unveiled? I don't know. I, don't I think know. it's just being unveiled. All right, all right I'm going to get hands-on with it. How's that? Right. Yeah, the new Range Rover. So it's the full-size Range Rover. These only come out like once every decade or so. Exactly right. This got it's got a straight six turbo engine, or it's got a new engine which is manufactured by BMW. So it's got a BMW heart. The overall design is almost identical to the old one. You really have to know your Range Rovers to know the difference. Or you look at the back and you see this kind of. Art 
artistic um, floating design with these beautifully integrated taillights. Uh, the interior is updated as well with some new technology, some new materials, some new design, but they really didn't mess with the overall uh, design language of the Range Rover. I think they were certainly more evolution rather than revolution. Yeah, you know, um, in the UK when they unveiled it, uh, they had the old one next to the new one. And when the two are next to each other, you can really tell the differences. Oh, yeah? But without them being next to each other, it does look very similar to the old one. Uh, and, you know, Jerry McGovern, who does a lot of the styling over at uh, Range Rover and Land Rover, uh, has this very, I would call it, um, aero design language. Everything looks kind of like a very modern, very chic, very modern, um, very stylish, like a, you know, like, like, like a tailored suit. Um, design uh, and uh, it, it gets a little bit um, old for me so like if I compare a Range Rover to an Evoque to a, a Velar uh, they're all kind of almost like um, two arrow right they all look like a bar of soap now uh, a stylish bar of soap but nevertheless a bar of soap I think that's why the Defender from a style perspective was such a huge hit because it just broke that mold right it wasn't that like swept back it didn't look like it was designed in a very sh chic wind tunnel and so that, that's my only criticism of it uh, it's also coming out as a hybrid uh, as a as a, a p-hab right as a uh, eventually there'll be an electrified version of it in four years or saying but there's also a plug-in hybrid version which i think it's actually pretty good mileage i want to see something like 60 miles of range out of the battery there's also i think going to be a full battery electric at some point as yeah, well there is four years the interior looks really really nice they did a really nice job with updating it. It's very minimalist, a lot of kind of swoopy materials. It's got an extremely large center-mounted display. So if you are excited about the ultimate in luxury British off-roadiness, then definitely keep an eye out for the new 2022 Range Rover. You know it's got two antennas? Two antennas? Yeah. You know why? Why does it have two? Uh, because like in the current Defender, if you want to update the, uh, uh, the operating system, uh, you can't be doing anything else. So in the new Range Rover, apparently they put two antennas so you could update it while you're still using the uh, infotainment system. I think, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're going to sell the old and the new together for the 2022 model year. That's another one where the price is probably more elastic, right? Especially the autobiography version. Uh, and it's funny because, uh, you know, in America, uh, we've... Uh, always had three-row big SUVs, but in Europe, it's been something that people have not had mm. uh, for because you know the roads are much smaller. But once again, like you know, we're we're stealing or we're borrowing Europeans like coffee and and bread because we used to only have white and rye bread. Now we've got all those artisanal breads, uh, and they're borrowing like our three-row big-ass <laughs> <laughs> trucks. And speaking of a three-row big-ass truck, the other one that we don't know much about but definitely is coming is a new Sequoia. And we know that because there's a new Tundra. So before we move on, pricing-wise, 104 starting for the new Range Rover, and then the first edition long wheelbase starts at 163. Yeah, I think that's a three-row. Right. right. That's the one. That well, we so what they're doing, though, so there's two and three-row. Uh, you can get the long wheelbase in either three-row or two-row. So I think that the most expensive ones are long wheelbase, but two rows. So you have the huge back seat. Mm -hmm. so, so I believe that that's, that's their, their game plan on that. Anyway, like I said, let's talk about the Sequoia. Yes, we know almost nothing except what we know from the new Tundra. Which is that, you know, there is a new uh, twin turbo V6 uh, that produces in the Tundra at least just around 400 horsepower. Uh, and that there's also a hybrid version coming. Uh, with a pretty small battery. It's a 1.5 kilowatt hour battery. Uh, and so I suspect because 
in the past, of course, Toyota shares platforms. So, you know, the platform that the Tundra is built on is also the platform that the um, that the um, uh, Sequoia is built on and also that the uh, Toyota Land Cruiser is built on. No? No, not historically. Well, recently. And they sh- okay, all right, well, okay let's, let's just not get into the weeds. I know you're going to get... The, you're going to make some Land Cruiser people very but the, upset but by the saying power, that. The powertrains are identical. The same, yes. the same powertrain, all of them, basically. Yep. Uh, and, of course, the Lexus LX. Right. right. That Lexus LX and the Land Cruiser are the same. Yeah. Um, Which and same power the Land Cruiser is, people get picky when you say it's based on a Tundra because they're like, well, if you look at the frame and the suspension, they, they, they don't want it to be based. Well, on it a truck. isn't though. It's quite different. It is uh. quite a different beast underneath. But certainly the Tundra and the Sequoia have been blood blood sisters for a long yeah, time. Yeah, so, so we're expecting a new Sequoia to come out. And let's face it, the current one is pretty old. Uh, with GM, you know, having recently updated the Tahoe and the Yukon. Uh, and uh, you know that's the world that we're and the new there's a new Armada. There's got to be a new version of the uh, Sequoia because you know when it first came out, people loved it. Uh, but I you know and I recently took it off road and it's very good, uh, but it's really starting to show its age. Right. I, yeah, you're a thousand percent right. The Sequoia has always been like kind of the affordable Toyota if you want three rows. Exactly. Quote affordable. But the 5.7 is is, it's, it's, is ancient, and it's very, very thirsty. thirsty. It's incredibly thirsty, and you know, with gas prices now almost reaching all-time highs in America, that's going to be very hard sell. So I say, you know, a hybrid, the sooner the better. There's only been two generations since 2000, by the way, of Sequoia. Really? Oh yes. So the third gen, I think you're spot on. It's going to be twin turbo hybrid. It's probably going to have a very similar look in the front to the Tundra. I imagine that maybe they might share a similar front end as previous Sequoias have done. I imagine the interiors are probably going to be fairly similar. Um, it's probably going to have a four-wheel drive system with perhaps a low range, although maybe not the same capability as a TRD Pro. It's probably going to tow a huge amount. It's probably going to weigh a huge amount. And if you are looking for the ultimate American-built, I think it's going to be built in the U.S., right? Yes. Um, American-built three-row made by Toyota, then the Sequoia is the one for you. All right, let's keep going. Another new one, which we're never going to get to drive because we've been blacklisted by Subaru, is the WRX. I'm very excited. I would love to get behind the wheel. Uh, Same thing with the new Forester. I would love to get behind the wheel of that, but alas, uh, you're going to have to go to places like Alex on Auto or, uh, you know, Redline Reviews. Uh, for those reviews uh, because, uh, well, got blacklisted by them. What are you going to do? There's also a new model called the Solterra, which is the full electric vehicle made by Subaru, yeah, but just... also made by Toyota. So the two have come together once again, like they did with the 86 and the BRZ, to build a new car, ground-up new car, with a fully electric drivetrain and a very interesting style. So while we may not have the opportunity to drive the Solterra, we probably will get the chance to drive the Toyota version called the BZ4X, I just think? Call the BZ. B- just call it the BZ. B4XZX3? No, it's BZ4, uh, just call it the BZ. Yeah, that, that, that's like a CAPTCHA solve code on a website. And, and you're, gonna be in t- uh, you're gonna be there uh, next week or when you're listening to this today, actually for the uh, American kind of, I guess, <coughs> unveiling of the uh, BZ or whatever? The world debut of the BZ. Well, so the Japanese model's already been revealed. Yeah, I, we, I still had a plane when I but was But the there. American debut of the BZ4X, it's supposed to have a long-range battery with range maybe in the 300-mile... And a steering wheel instead of a yoke. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't have the yoke. The concept car had the yoke, which was not much liked or appreciated. So, very kind of excited about the BZ. I need to see it in person because in pictures it kind of looks like a doorstop. 
But hopefully, once we <laughs> hopefully once we have the chance to kind of get hands well, on with it, we just did a video where we compared it to the Solterra, uh, and outside of the nose clip and the rear end, they're almost identical. And then somebody in the comments I was reading this morning said one of the reasons for that might be because uh, apparently Toyota owns twenty percent of Subaru, so that's why they're working together. Because I asked a question, why doesn't Toyota just develop their own? Why are they working with Subaru? And that would be a very good answer to that question. Because they've done it like like we talked about with the BRZ FRS eighty six kind of. Or deal. Yeah, but then you got the Supra, which certainly Toyota does not own any percentage of BMW. Not that we know of. Not unless there's some secret agreement that we don't know about. All right, shall we keep going? Yeah, let's talk about the new Corvette, the Z06. Yeah, woo, Z06. That's going to be mind-bogglingly, mind-blowingly quick. So this is the C8 generation of the Z06, and unlike previous generations that have used a supercharged power plant, the 2023 Corvette Z06 is naturally aspirated. It's got, I think, the highest red line in Chevrolet history, 8,600 RPM, which is 2,000 RPM higher than the Stingray, 670 horsepower. Uh, very cool. Zero to 60 in 2.6 seconds is what they were saying. You can get it with your favorite Brembo carbon ceramic brakes and slightly more aggressive exterior design, slightly different interior design. This is going to be one to look out for on the racetracks. Yeah, I think Corvette finally with the latest uh, generation is getting some respect as a sports car. It's always been highly sought after and highly respected in America, but the Europeans have loved to poo-poo it because the interiors are always just a little bit below what they're used to. But now with this newest generation, uh, not only is it uh, world-class interior, but it's also uh, you know world-class sports car, mid-engine mounted, and finally flat plane V8. Yeah, finally the Europeans are like, oh, maybe this thing is real, um, which it always has been, but maybe now they're starting to starting to get some respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, should we do a couple more? Yeah, let's, let's keep going. And if we've forgotten some, which we probably have, because we're kind of doing this off the top of our heads based on all the cars that we've uh, um, you know, recently seen, um, the two uh, Mercedes that I'm the most excited about, and one's supposed to be out now, but I'm not sure it's out now. Uh, let's talk about that one. You actually drove it, the EQS, the electric S-Class. It does look like a computer mouse, but the EQS <laughs> is one of the greatest cars I've ever driven. Really? Tr truly phenomenal. Yes, it is the electric S-Class is kind of the way to look at it, even though it's not related to the gasoline S-Class at all. But this is the future of Mercedes-Benz. It is simply the quietest car I've ever driven, one of the softest sprung, one of the most elegantly designed. And it's got 54 inches of screen on the interior. So the whole interior is basically yeah, what's that? What's that screen called? Like ultra screen? Hyper screen. Hyper screen, that's yes. right. What, uh, how quick is it? Uh, very. I, I think it's like mid-fours for the 580, if I remember right. So, so it's kind of weird because right now we've got the current new S-Class sitting in our parking lot. We've been, I've been driving it a week and loving it. Uh, except for one thing, this little weird uh, thing that keeps popping up telling me to adjust the steering wheel in the seat, which we still haven't figured out why he keeps doing it. It's annoying. But beyond that, uh, the thing is phenomenal. Uh, All-wheel drive, $140,000 uh, tour de force of pure luxury. Oh, sorry, I think it's low force. So there's two, if I remember correctly. So there is the four, five, the 450, which is rear-wheel drive, and then the 580, which is all-wheel drive, and dual motor in the all-wheel drive. Uh, the S-Class that we have outside is just phenomenal for a tour de force of luxury and tech, but take that and magnify it by 3x and you've got the EQS. It really is that crazy. Which is weird because now they have two top-of-the-line sedans, right? Yep, they There's do. an electric one and the V8 twin-turbo. Uh, so um, 
I'm curious to see, you know, what the take rate will be on either of those. That will be a good indication of whether people think uh, the world is ready for electrification. The EQS also isn't a sedan, even though it looks like one. It's actually a, a giant hatchback. Oh, one of those. <laughs> one of those. <laughs> one of those. Okay. It's not an attractive vehicle from the outside. I, I, although it does have a ton of road presence when you drive it around, pe- around people just stare at you. Yeah. But on the interior, it's incredible. It's from an engineering standpoint, it is just miles ahead of most cars on the road. It really is a, a thing of magnificence. You think it's better than a Tesla Model S? I do. Yep, yeah. I do. I think it's better made. It's got four wheel steering. It is. Uh, it's expensive. We're talking, you know, like hundred grand territory, but it is just phenomenal to drive around in, to experience all the tech, to f- experience the quality, it really is that good. Now, the one that uh, I'm going to be driving next week, which, um, oh, no, December, sorry, I'm going to be driving it in December, not next week, which I'm super excited about, is a new SL. And they've gone back to, and this is all I know about it, Tommy, they've gone back to a soft top instead of a hard top. I heard that. Yeah. That's interesting. So uh, the people I've talked to have driven it. Geez, uh, those, those come around like once every 15 years. Yeah. Those are even more, more unusual. SL, of course, is the, uh, you know, the, one, the, the one that everybody thinks of is the Gullwing, right? And then the uh, Pagoda came around. But these are, these are you know, the classic two-door Mercedes, uh, grand touring sports cars. Uh, and so you know, when a new SL comes around, it's a big deal. And I'm really stoked to drive it. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be really fun. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of new uh, Porsches coming out that I'll be driving right after that. Uh, new variations of the Taycan. Um, uh, we're, we're guessing we don't know yet. I'm just we're just we're just talking about this. We're guessing there's probably a crossover version coming, right? Because the current one is a sedan and a uh, basically the uh, the Cross Turismo is basically a station, station wagon. wagon so yeah. the next it would make sense for them to do a SUV next, right? I think that makes a ton of sense. And then there's like three models of uh, uh, at least the reporting has been that there are three models of 911 coming. Um, you know, three special models. Uh, the word is that this might be the last 911 that is gas, so they're going to harken back. There's like a 50-year anniversary 911 coming out. But that's really inside baseball, so you got to live and breathe Porsche, I think, to be super excited by that. So, you know, we kind of tend to go more in the mainstream. But anyway, just wanted to mention those as well. What other cars are we forgetting, Tommy? Speaking of mainstream, the new Hummer EV. Yeah. Yeah, the Hummer truck and, of course, uh, the SUV. Uh, I got to drive the Hummer truck. Um, crazy, crazy, crazy! Super excited, uh, you know, uh, uh, with that one. Um, probably one of the most phenomenal new vehicles I've, I've gotten to drive. And, and you know, uh, the first thousand or so are going to be the truck, but eventually the SUV's coming. Uh, it's got what 1,150 pound foot of torque. Yeah, some stupid number. It's uh, crazy. Yeah, like a thousand horsepower, zero to sixty in three seconds, sixteen inches of ground clearance. Uh, it is a tour de force of battery uh, off-road vehicle or truck uh, and no spare tire, ah. <laughs> which is kind of uh, Oops. which is kind of crazy for an off-roader. Uh, but I guess, you know, if the battery, uh, it, you know, is 200 kilowatt hours, which we're guessing at, right, uh, then there's not a lot of room for a spare tire. Uh, the number... It, it has not been confirmed, but this is a mind-blowing number. 9,000 pounds, Tommy. Oh, yeah. It's going to be crazy. Of, of electric truck. Yeah, it, that is a serious, serious amount of weight. I'm excited about the Hummer. I think it's cool. I'm really excited about the, hopefully, the electric Silverado. Now, we don't know anything about that, but the Hummer is just, it's kind of out of the price range of the vast majority of Americans. So and I'm that, hoping that the that the Silverado is going to be the one that's more affordable. And let's wrap this up on another electric ve- two electric vehicles. Uh, that we'll be driving soon as well, and I think already out in Europe. So the uh, 
Hyundai and the Kia, right? The EV6 and the Ionic 5. Uh, both of those look like they're actually taking it to Tesla. Uh, I, I've gotten to sit in both of them, uh, and the design language is really unique and interesting. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, there'll be all-wheel drive versions. Uh, uh, finally, I think we're going to have a vehicle uh, that is a ground-up electric car uh, that doesn't isn't like Hyundai's take on, let's call it a, a Model Y. It's like it, its own take, right? Because the, yeah. the, the wheelbase is super long. Uh, the vehicle is super wide. Uh, there's a lot of interesting tech, including like the ability to to not plug your house into it, but certainly to plug two 120, 120 volt outlets into it. I think with it's a little great. adapter. It's pretty cool. Yep. So that's really cool. Uh, we also have the Lightning, the F one fifty Lightning coming. That's a truck. We'll leave that to Andre. Okay, yeah. but yeah, the, the Ionic I think is going to be a really incredible car. They they've upped the design, they've upped the technology, and they are really like you said, bringing it to Tesla. I think that's a great way of looking at it. So can't wait to get behind the wheel oh, of those models. And we can't forget about what Paul's driving next week, which is the Kona EV and the Elantra. No, Kona N, N, N. and the Elantra N. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're, he's going to be driving. You know the the sporty versions of the Konas and with the Veloster N um, and with Albert Biermann uh, um, and with uh, Peter Schreier, basically Hyundai and uh, Kia have taken uh, the sports car hot hatch to the Germans, right? Right. Because they've taken, they've taken the M tuning um, from BMW M series and the design language of Audi and have combined them into a car uh, that is just as compelling to drive as any AMG or M version or hot hatch or Golf R or GTI. So uh, I drove the Kona N. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm if it's a, if, the, if the driving impressions were embargoed or not. So I don't want to you know cross any lines. We value that partnership. What I can tell you, which isn't embargoed, is uh, the coolest thing on that car. It's got a little like overboost button. So you can push it yeah, and then end green shift. Yeah, and yeah. end green shift, and for like I don't know, ten seconds, and it counts it down. You get it's like having nitrous, right? You get you, uh, get, you get like fifteen more horsepower. It's yeah, pretty. It's, it's, cool. our, it's like a video game, right? It's anytime you can take a video game car and make it real. Uh, I think you've got a winning formula. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a really fun thing. All right, well there you have it, guys. The uh, cars. I'm sure we've forgotten a bunch, but those are the cars that we're certainly looking forward to in 2022 and are worth the wait if you're out there holding on. Uh, if hopefully things return back to normal and these cars are not unobtainium and the manufacturers can actually build them and the dealers actually sell them at the MSRP, uh, then we're in for a great 2022. Once again, if you're looking to check out all of our content, go to tfl-studios.com, download it to your phone like I did. Uh, and uh, anything else, Tommy? I think I think you nailed it. I think yeah. you got it all. Oh, there you go. Uh, it's going to be a big week. Lots of videos at TFL since uh, when you're listening to this, uh, all of us are in uh, or about L.A., driving all these cool new cars. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned to either TFL Car, TFL Now, TFL Truck uh, for a lot of interesting car content uh, and videos. And we're going to have a lot to talk about next time, Tommy. We'll see you in the next episode. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.